Turn to Colossians chapter 1 if you have your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you have Bibles in the back. If you need one, you're welcome to pick one up and own it. You can write your name in it, whatever you want to do. And we've been to the book of Colossians, specifically looking at Jesus and how good He is. And I was going to give you a test this morning because these are important things to know. We've been calling it Jesus 101, but I'm not going to do the test this morning. We're just going to jump right in. But some of the things that's been said about Jesus is that He was fully God and fully man. That He created the entire universe. He did that by His Word. And that He holds it all together. That's why your head's not falling off your body. Okay, That's Jesus doing that. He's always been and He always will be. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is preeminent. He's the best. And so we're finishing out this section where the Lord really brings on why that's important. Why that's important. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. It says this about Jesus. For in Him, for in Jesus... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. I'm going to focus first of all on that verse 19. It says, For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's how this section started off. When it said in verse 15, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It's, it's, it's saying again, He was fully God. That all who God is and all that, that the Father is also is Jesus. And it was, it was pleasing for the Father that Jesus might fully contain deity. That He was fully God, fully man and accomplish what He would. We have several portions in Scripture where we find out this is pleasing to the Father. Remember, when Jesus was baptized and He came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my Son, I'm pleased with Him. Likewise, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was a voice that said, This is my Son, I'm pleased with Him. He was pleased. Why was the Father pleased with Jesus? It's because the scripture tells us, and I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. It says this concerning Jesus in verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. See, when it came time for there to be a sacrifice for sin, God didn't send something that couldn't do the job. He sent the one who could do the job. And Jesus said, you didn't desire sacrifices and offerings for bulls and goats, or you didn't desire money, a body you prepared for me because I'm holy. I can do it. A body you prepared for me. And so it says he went and he obeyed fully the Father. He laid down his life. And since Jesus would fully obey the Father... Father was pleased with that. He's the only one who could fully obey the Father and be what was needed on that cross. Amen. You know when something's not just right? It's sort of okay. Like the other night when Katie and I, we went out on a date. We got some great babysitting. Thanks, Daniels. And, uh, we, went out and uh, we went out for steak. And we ordered our steak and, and we were going to get a good meal. And the steak comes out and we're sitting there and... and and the waiter's really funny because he had come over at the beginning and he said, uh, he was trying to talk us into ordering things. He says, you better try that. That's real tasty. That's real tasty. So he comes back later to find out if things are tasty, right? And he asks me, he says, sir, how's your steak? 
And mine was perfect. I mean, it was just the way I'd ordered it. Medium well was how I wanted it. Came back medium well. It was warm. It was seasoned. I was like, my steak is perfect. Thank you. And he turned and said, ma'am, how, how's your steak? He asked Katie. And she said, well, it's okay. And he was already walking away, assuming hers was great too. And suddenly he stopped and said, wait, 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 wait a second. Your steak is okay. What do you mean by it? She said, no, it's okay. It's fine. He says, no, no, no. We want it to be perfect. Like, what's wrong with it? She said, well, mine was, mine was medium well too. And I think it's, it's, it's cooked too much. He looked at it and said, yeah, what have they done to that steak? You poor woman. Let's go get you the right steak. See, just okay wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. And when it came to you and I having a sacrifice for our sin, God couldn't come and say, well, they need a sacrifice, something to take care of their sin, so let me just give them something that's just okay. You see, that wouldn't work. We had to have the best. We had to have it perfect. And you might think, well, the works that I do, that might just be okay. That'll, That'll get me through. No. Just okay is not good enough when it comes to salvation. It had to be perfect. And so there was only one, Jesus, who could come and put his life on the line because he was God become man. He was holy. He was righteous. He was all of that. And he came and walked to earth and died on our behalf. And so because he fully obeyed the Father, it pleased the Father because that was the one person who could do it. It wasn't just an okay sacrifice. He was put up there like a piece of steak. That was perfect. He bled out and died. It was God's pleasure in him then. The father looked at his son and said, I'm pleased with you. The thing about Jesus and, 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 and him being a pleasure to the father. Is that all of us can try in the same way than to be good for God. We can say, I'm doing all the rules, I'm following the Ten Commandments, I'm doing everything my parents told me to do. And you'll still feel the weight of not pleasing God. In fact, some of you are living off of feelings that you've had growing up from your parents because you always felt you weren't able to please them, right? You ever have somebody that you just can't feel like you can please? It's like the other night I was at a neighborhood get-together, uh, a barbecue, and I was talking to this guy who was just introduced to me. It was like there was nothing I could do in the conversation to make him feel pleased with me. It was like he just did not want to be in that conversation. I tried being kind. He was looking around. I tried telling my great, great and funny jokes. No, he wasn't having it. Uh, I, I asked him about his life. No, he was just, there was nothing I could do to please this new acquaintance. And finally he saw somebody he knew and was like, see you later, dude. You know? It's like, it was so, and I was, I was bothered by that because there was nothing I could do to please this guy. Some of you have that growing up with maybe your dad or your mom. Maybe you have that right now where it's like, I just can't please them. Some of you feel that way about God. I'm just trying so hard and I just can't seem to please Him. And you know what? With all your trying, you can't. You and what you do can't please God. So it's like, well, what do I do? How, how can God be pleased with me? Well, who was he pleased with? Jesus. Jesus. And unless he sees Jesus in you and you doing your work in and through Jesus, he will not be pleased with you. He must see Jesus. If you're just doing your actions on your own and telling funny jokes to God, he's going to be like that neighbor like, no, I'm not having it. 
God wants to be pleased with you when He sees Jesus in you. Later on in Hebrews, it says this in chapter 10, it's quoting the Old Testament. Chapter 10, verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, God is pleased when he looks at you and by faith you say, it's not by my works, God, it's because I trust in the sacrifice of Jesus that you gave for me that I realize you're pleased with me. And so he says, if you're living by faith, God looks at you and he's pleased with you. But if you're going off on your own and just trying to do good things, nope. It's hard to grasp, isn't it? Because we want, we want to do works. We want to do something for Jesus. Make Him love. No, it's when Jesus is working in and through us. We just say, okay, God, by faith, I trust that you love me. By faith, God, I trust that when you ask me to do something, this is you giving me the power and you being the one. It's all for you. Amen, Amen is right. Some of you need that because you're so burdened. By all the works you're trying to do for Jesus and trying to get all over, it's just, you're being crushed. Just trust God. How much He loves you. And that burden comes off and live in Jesus and then God is pleased with you when He sees Jesus. Amen. You see, this is all coming to an end. And we're living this life it's like, i got to do it right. Because we know it's all coming to an end. That verse, that second verse in verse 20, Colossians chapter 1 said, said this, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, everything's coming to an end, and then God is going to reconcile all things. Amen. See, things might not seem right right now because we've got terrorist attacks going on in London. Somebody was mean to you this week. Maybe you just fell down and scraped your knee. It's like... This isn't right. God's going to make it right. It says here that He will reconcile all things. He's going to bring it all into perfect harmony the way it should be. He's going to have justice. He's going to save who He saves. Some people will take that verse and think, well, that means everybody's going to be saved. That's not what He's saying. Amen. Think about it like your checkbook. Some of you love to reconcile your checkbook. Some of you hate it. I hate it. I'm not going to it. But when you reconcile your checkbook, right, you go down and you look at the credits and you look at the debits and you, you, you do all the calculations and you make sure it reconciles at the end, right? That that number is right. And what God is going to do at the end, He's going to reconcile all the things and He's going to come down and it's going to be right. Now when He looks at you and you say, well, Lord, I've done all this to my credit. I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and that's to my credit so it would be right. He looks at you and says, no, that's not what it makes it right. When I look at you and I see Jesus, that is your credit. And that's what is right. Because reality is at the end of the day when he does reconcile everything on heaven and earth and he brings it all to make it right at the bottom of that checkbook that he has when he's, he's counting the tallies. If he doesn't see Jesus' name over you, if you have not in faith said, Lord, please forgive me, then there is nothing that can be your credit to make you in the right place with God for eternity in life. Amen. Everything that you do is actually on the debit side where you try. And you thought it would work. It's not enough. I was flying out to Seattle. I flew out. And I was, I was working through the stuff that I was going to share at the men's retreat I was going to. And so I was working hard and I had my Bible out. And the man next to me, 
He interrupted my studies. He said, sir, I see you have a Bible. I'd love to ask you a question. And he started in on a question about some spiritual movie he had saw. But we got in this great conversation about Jesus. I realized at that moment I didn't need to be preparing for a men's retreat. I needed to be preparing this man with the truth for what was ahead of him because he didn't know Christ. Amen. And so as I was sharing Christ with him, I finally came to, uh, you know, he went on about how he wasn't able to, to please his dad. His mom and dad didn't like who he had married. He felt like he was trying to just continue on in life, trying to, 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 to make them please. It was like he couldn't do enough. But when it came to God... He said this. Well, when I get there, I just, I just kind of hope it all works out. That's a risky place to be. Because it's already been worked out. What he did was he worked it out through all the things we've been seeing in Jesus. That God became flesh, died on that tree, and then presents that blood instead of ours for the sacrifice of sin. He already worked it out. And what he says is, when you ask the Lord for forgiveness, He takes the blood of Jesus, washes you clean, and you're set. You, you've been given credit. It's been credited to you as righteousness. So I mean, you don't have to wonder whether it's just going to work out. You enter into eternity knowing that you're already a pleasure to God. Because Jesus is on your life. You're not fearing that day when you stand before the judge and he says, are you in or are you out? Because already, by what he's done, he's made you in. He's brought you into his family. He's brought you into his kingdom. He's, he's made you one of his. So that, that when that reconciliation comes down to the end, you don't have to stand there and say, I, want, I hope it worked out. He will stand there and say, you know what, I've worked all that out for you. You trusted and believe that. And now come home with me. And I went on with this man and I told him about Jesus and how much he loved him. And there was nothing that he could do, whether in his airplane seat or, or when he landed. They would make God love him more or less. It was purely on grace. And that took off all the burden of him having to try to do something to earn salvation. You know what? He did this. His jaw dropped open. And even though grace is such an almost unfathomable thing to realize. Because when God comes to you with grace, He says, I'm totally and utterly forgiving your sin. There's no debt. I just love you. It causes us to say, Really? It may cause our jaw to drop open. Man, the human heart is stubborn. Because we realize how hard it is to forgive somebody. We know what it's like to be injured. We know what it's like to be abused. We know what it's like to be sinned against. And when somebody comes our way and they have sinned against us, and they may even be repentant and and, and sorrowful for what they've done, but we look at them and say, not after what you've done. Now, I know that's the truth in a lot of your life because people will come up to me and you will talk about circumstances that's happened back in your life decades ago. Where you are still holding it over somebody. Somebody injured you. Somebody caused harm in your life. Somebody may have abused you. And it was wrong what they did. And you may speak about forgiveness. But the way you talk about them and how it's done. No, you haven't forgiven them. 
Let me tell you something. You will not walk forward in peace in that relationship until you forgive them. It's hard to forgive, isn't it? And because it's hard for us to forgive others, it's hard for us to look at God. And when we really realize how sinful we are to look at Him and say, Now I trust you're going to forgive me. The reality is He so desperately wants to. He wouldn't have gone to all that great pain and the distance He went to and all that it took for that sacrifice to forgive you if He did not want to forgive you. And as the Lord has forgiven you, He's called for you to forgive others. Not because you have the strength to, but because you're living in faith and that pleases God and you're able to forgive other people. Some of you need to go back to your moms and your dads and say... I want to reconcile with you. I want to make it right. And the way you can do that is to remember that when God looked at you, He says, you know what? I've made it right. I've forgiven you. So now you can go and forgive others. And when you walk in faith like that, I guarantee you, the weight comes off. And you walk in freedom, walking forward to the end, when God is going to reconcile all things in heaven and earth through Jesus his body that was on the cross and make everything right and you'll go into their right. God has been so good to us. Amen. That verse in James said, for every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. And there was no better gift that came down from the Father than His own Son who was crushed under the will of the Father so that you and I could experience His great forgiveness. And as we understand His forgiveness and as we prepare to maybe go out and not do things in our own power or forgive in our own power or go be Christians in our own power or put on VBS, we go out in Christ to do these things. And all of it is a spiritual act of worship saying, here's my life, Lord, take it. Some of you need to say in your heart today, here's my life, Lord, take it. I call upon your forgiveness Please make me right in your eyes and reconcile me now. You need to start walking with God. It says in the scripture that there was a man named Enoch. He walked with God. In Hebrews it says that it pleased God because he was just walking in faith. And in the follow-up verse in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this. For without faith it's impossible to please God. Today, many of you, really all of us, need to say, here's my whole life, Lord. By faith, I just trust that you have me. I don't want to hope that everything just works out. I want to know. And so, Lord, here's my life. I just want to give it to you. And you need to look at Jesus and remember all the things that he's done for you. How good he's been. How good he's been. And so this morning, we're going to close with some songs. We're going to have the opportunity for you to, in community, just pray back to God and remember who He is and what He's done for you. And in that, to say, Lord, here's my life. Just take it all. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, give me the strength to go forgive. Lord, here is my life. Because God has been so, so very good to us, hasn't He? Amen. And so, Father, we come to You and we thank You. We thank you that when it took everything for us to be saved, that you gave us everything in Jesus Christ. And that you will reconcile all things to yourself through him. And so we throw ourselves at your feet asking for your forgiveness, Lord. 
Knowing that it's not by anything that we have done that we may be saved or that we may even walk in a way of pleasing you, but only through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord. We give you our lives. We give you our everything. And we ask that you would be pleased not by our own attempts, not by our own energies, not by somehow being spiritually fancy before you, but just simply because you have called us to be humble. That you might be our everything. And so, Father, we pray that you'd be pleased by our worship, not because we're singing in harmony, not because we get notes right, not because it's your favorite song, but because we sing the truth about what you've done and we lay ourselves at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to sing along together at this time. You're welcome to stand up if you want. And I'm going to ask again the deacons, if you would, to stand in the back and be available. If, if you would like prayer this morning, we don't have an altar, but we have people to pray with. The temple of the Lord is His people. And so I want to give you the opportunity to pray with some people, the deacons. And so um, you're welcome to pray with them. But if you would stand this morning, we're going to sing, sing out to the Lord. Stood a sinner. 